It has been an outstanding Easter morning. And my prayer and my hope is that it will continue. I am so grateful to have each of you here. My name is uh, Tim Bedall, and I've got the great privilege of serving as lead pastor. And what an amazing day at Village it has been. Uh, To just put this day into perspective, we have parked more cars, okay, to give you an idea, about 1,000 cars, 900 and some odd cars today over the four services. What you are a part of today is the largest gathering in this church's history, bar none. And while numbers don't tell the whole story, we recognize the many, many faces and the people that have come because they have been invited. We, I heard this story today. Someone said, we saw your signs all over the place. It was a sign God was saying, come to church. Okay? Here's the great thing about that story. They hadn't been to church in years. So God is at work in our church and in our community, and I'm so very thankful, and I look forward to what we're going to hear of the stories from the other campuses and what God is doing. What a great and glorious day to celebrate the resurrection of our Savior and Lord on this Resurrection Sunday. I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of John if you have it. If you don't, we'll have the scriptures on uh, the uh, screens for you to follow along. But we've been in a series that we've entitled simply the Gospel of John, the story of the life, ministry, and miracles of Jesus told by his best friend here on earth, the Apostle John. And we come to John chapter 15, and we are going to look at this passage in a moment. But my hope and my prayer is what my hope and prayer has been throughout this series since we started it way back last fall, is that you will meet Jesus, you will learn from Jesus, so that you might, wherever you're at, if this is your first time or thousandth time in the church, that you would believe and trust in Jesus as the risen Savior and Lord. But before we go to his word, let us take a moment and pray. Father God, what a great morning. But what's even greater than that is our Savior. What an opportunity for us to lift high your name, to praise the name of Jesus, who died on the cross for our sins, doing what we couldn't do on our own, and defeating the power of sin and death by rising from the grave. We announce in one accord that you are our risen Savior and Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done in the services prior. Thank you to all our volunteers, Lord, who have served faithfully, some getting here uh, early in the morning to be able to serve and honor you. Lord, now I ask that you would empower me to be able to speak clearly your word so that lives may be changed. We do so in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, let's rewind just a matter of three days ago, Friday. Friday, a man was deserted by his friends. Friday, a man would be arrested. Friday, he would be taken and charged for crimes he didn't commit. Friday, he would experience the mocking and the slander. Friday, he would be whipped and abused, mocked and scorned. His enemies would circle around him. On Friday, they would reserve for him the most gruesome and horrific of deaths, death by crucifixion. 
He would have to, after being beaten to an inch of his life, carry a wooden cross up a hill to a place called Golgotha, where he, with two other criminals, even though he himself being perfect, would be hung on the cross with nails being put in his hands and his feet. He would die a death of suffocation, sharing from the cross, lifting himself up in great agony and pain. He would say, Father, forgive them. He would say, it is finished. And then he would give up his spirit. That would bring us to Friday afternoon. And then the rest of Friday, all day Saturday, and into Sunday, he would be laid in a tomb behind a stone. But at some point Sunday morning, early in the morning, the gospel writers tell us something happened. That Jesus who had been deserted, that Jesus who had been arrested, that Jesus who had been charged for crimes he didn't commit, that Jesus who had been mocked and abused and beaten, that Jesus who was hung on a cross, that Jesus who gave up his spirit, that Jesus who was buried in a tomb, that Jesus early that Sunday morning walked out of that tomb. Amen? And so it may surprise you with the next question I ask, whether you're in this place in our campus or online, this question, do you believe it? Do you buy it? We use that idiom, do you buy it, to say, do you believe it to be true? Jesus said, I will die and I will rise again. His disciples said Jesus died and rose again. They gave their lives to it. For the last 2,000 years, Christians have proclaimed it. But do you believe it? It's an odd question for a pastor to ask a group of people who have come for the very purpose to praise the name of the risen Savior. But what Jesus is going to tell us in John 15 is it isn't enough for us just to simply say some words, I believe, unless there is something behind it. And so instead of us just simply giving tacit approval to Jesus in this claim of being the one who has been resurrected from the grave, the question is, is it impacting my life? Is it changing me? I follow many individuals on Twitter, and one individual in particular is a guy by the name of David Paul Tripp, um, and he, he says this, the empty tomb is our doorway to everlasting hope. It's the guarantee of the final resurrection and the glories that follow. He then said that same day, everything we believe rests on one event, the resurrection of Jesus. Without the resurrection, our faith is in vain. And then he said this just a matter of moments afterwards. He said the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. That's a guy who buys it. That's a guy who believes it. It changes every aspect of his life. So therefore, he declares these simple truths. Nothing deeply theological, but he says the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the reason I get up in the morning. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is why I can sleep at night. And then he goes on, he says, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is why I do what I do every day. So let me ask you again, 
Do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Before answering that, can we ask Jesus to kind of challenge and evaluate whether or not we believe in the resurrection? We've got to go back to Thursday. Thursday, Jesus, he's just been betrayed by Judas. He's suffer, uh, uh, had the Lord's Supper, the last supper with his disciples. He's now entered into the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples. And he uses this metaphor of vine and branches, probably because they were in a vineyard as they were walking through the garden. And he connects this idea of us connecting to the resurrection power of Jesus to that which a branch connects with a vine. And what we will see is if we truly believe and by the resurrection and the veracity and the truthfulness of it, three things will become evident in our lives. Number one, we will long for Jesus. We will long for Jesus. You want to know if you have resurrection power and resurrection belief and faith in your life? Then let me ask you this question. Do you agree with Jesus in this one truth? John 15, 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus uttered these words and he's speaking to the disciples and he's speaking to us today. You and I cannot accomplish a single thing without Jesus. And knowing that Jesus is the resurrected Savior and Lord, it moves us to see how small we are and how great God is. We begin as we take a step back and look at all that's transpired this weekend from the death and burial and now the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus becomes a man not of this world. Now, he wasn't from this world from the beginning. The second person of the Trinity, he is God in human flesh, but we esteemed him not. But now that he's died and been buried and raised from the dead, we who say we believe in the resurrection have to say, time out. If this is true, then I'm lost without him. I can't live a moment of my life without Jesus. I'll never be made right with God without Jesus. I'll never have peace with my brothers and sisters in this world without Jesus. I will never find peace and joy in this life without Jesus. And so the resurrection becomes a real belief in us when we wake up every morning with this thought, Jesus, you better show up or I'm lost. Jesus, I pray you're with me because I'm helpless without you. That humble realization tells the world and tells our God in heaven that we are one with him. Are you longing for Jesus? Now, it isn't something that you simply do Sunday to Sunday or maybe Easter to Easter. It is something that you do on a daily basis. And so we have to ask the question this morning, how much am I longing for Jesus. Number two, am I living for Jesus? Am I living for Christ? Notice what Jesus says in verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. 
If we truly believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior and Lord, if we truly believe that he has been resurrected from the grave, then we will reorder our lives and everything we are, not just from the simple fact that we're lost without him, but that in him there's something that we can't find on our own. Now Jesus will speak about this when he speaks about vines and branches. He, he says that to be a, a branch connected to a vine is necessary because apart from that vine, you'll wither and die. And some of you this morning are wondering why you're withering and dying and you're trying in your strength, you're trying in your abilities to, to fix it and all the while Jesus is saying, you need to connect with me. And Jesus says, I've got the way to life. He says, notice, I've got the way to joy. So how do we get there? Notice Jesus says this word. We don't hear it very often. The word abide. It's a couple times in these verses, but in the entirety of the passage we're looking at, 11 different times Jesus uses this word abide. It literally means staying close, following another's lead. Staying close, following another's lead. It makes total sense for a branch to a vine or a limb to a tree. You have to be connected in those two instances to something else and you have to follow its lead. So a vine, or I'm sorry, a branch has to connect to a vine and it has to do the very thing the vine is doing for it to live. Jesus says, if you wanna stay connected to me, then you gotta do what I do. You gotta follow me. You've gotta uh, obey me. You've gotta do what I've commanded you to do. And then, and only then, will the results that you're looking for come true. Now, we abide in a couple ways. First of all, we abide, he says, by keeping the Father's commandments, the scriptures. God has laid forth in his word how we ought to live, not as a set of do's and don'ts, but as a roadmap to where we find joy and satisfaction and contentment because our creator who wrote this book for us knows us better than ourselves. I like what R.A. Torrey says about keeping the commands of God. If we are to obtain from God all that we ask from him, Christ's words must abide or continue in us. We must study his words, fairly devour his words. We need to let them sink in to our thought and into our heart. We need to keep them in our memory, obeying them constantly in our lives, letting them shape and mold our daily life and our very act. This is really the method of abiding in Christ. You want to have the fullness and the joy? It begins by knowing the word. But this word abide has this persevering to it, this remaining, this continuing. In fact, those words may even be in your Bible translations for that word abide because there's this concept that to abide means to do it on a regular basis, an ongoing basis. My wife and I will be married in December for 25 years. And we've had a wonderful life and a wonderful partnership in that life. We've gone through great times and terrible times. 
We've had moments where we high-five one another, and yes, there have been moments where we haven't talked with one another. But that practice of living day in and day out has brought to us a relationship that is so deep and so sweet. There's this communion between my wife and I, this communion that we have because we've lived life together. All we've done, listen, is abided with one another. What Jesus is talking about is not religion, it's relationship. It's a relationship of spending time with Jesus, walking and talking with Jesus, welcoming Jesus into the good, the bad, and yes, even the ugly in your life. It's being real with Jesus, being honest and allowing the real you to be seen by Jesus and allowing Jesus to then start to change you and mold you into the person he wants you to be. J.C. Ryle put it this way when he said, abide in me, says Jesus. Cling to me. Stick fast to me. Live the life of close and intimate communion with me. Get nearer to me. Roll every burden on me. Cast your whole weight on me. Never let go your hold on me. Be as it were, be rooted and planted in me. Do this and I will never fail you. I will ever abide in you. Do you live like Christ? Are you closely following after Christ? Then Jesus says, and this is what will become true, that your joy may be full. Brothers and sisters, you will never and I will never find real true joy, peace, contentment, happiness, blessing outside of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and the empty tomb that was done for you and me. And you can try it in the pleasures of this world, the possessions of this world, even the people of this world, but Jesus has created you and I for a relationship with him, so be connected to him. Stay connected to him and you will understand what the resurrection living will look like in your life. Do you long for Jesus? Do you live like Jesus? Finally, we are given a command to love like Jesus. To love like Jesus. Jesus goes on, he says, this is my commandment, that you would love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Jesus is about to demonstrate for his friends the greatest gift of love, the love of the Redeemer by laying down his life for his friends. Jesus would demonstrate this love to us in this. While we were sinners, Christ would die for us. And so if we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, it isn't enough for us just to say it or to sing it, but to symbolize that love by showing it to the lost and broken and needy world around us. But what does that look like? What does it look like to love Christ? Number one, it demands sacrifice. Jesus would lay down his life for his friends. Are you willing to lay down your life, to give up some of your prerogatives and preferences? Are you willing to give up some of your schedule, maybe even some of your money, to be a blessing to the world around you? Jesus would extend himself, literally 
and figuratively to extend love to us? Are you willing to extend your hand to someone who needs it? Jesus did this for his friends. Jesus did this for strangers. And yes, Jesus did this for his enemies. Are we willing to extend love? Because we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, are we willing to extend love to a lost world around us? It's done in big ways. It's done in small ways. I like what John Stott says. He says the following. We are sent into the world like Jesus to serve. For this is the natural expression of our love to our neighbors. We love, we go, we serve. You want to announce to the world that Jesus is no longer in the grave? You want to announce to the world that Jesus is the risen Savior and Lord? You want to announce to the world that Jesus is your King of kings and Lord of lords? Uh, St. Francis of Assisi said, share some words, but do it in action. There's a lot that we can share, and sometimes I think we share too much. We don't show the love. Jesus said, this is the commandment I give you, that you would love one another. Jesus would say this, the world will know that you are my followers through your love. So who on this Easter are you called to love? Who this Easter, as we learned on Good Friday, are you called to forgive? We want to show the world the Easter hope. We do so by extending hands of love, sacrifice, and forgiveness to the world that needs it. So let me ask you again this morning, in light of all that we've sung and all that we've heard, do you believe in the resurrection? If so, then make it your commitment to long for Christ, to live like Christ, and yes, even if it hurts at times, to love like Christ. In doing so, we will not only honor God, but we will glorify his Father in heaven, and we will tell the world what we believe and how much that burns within us. Amen?